0: Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to give you a quick heads up that this one is extra special and a little different. This past week, Julie was on the Rubber Duck Dev Show talking about how she transitioned from a pharmacist to a software developer, how she got started with Ruby, and where she even got the idea for this podcast from. And she also touches on how we met. This interview was so good, we wanted to make sure y'all got the chance to hear it as well. So without further ado, here is the Rubber Duck Dev Show, episode 60, recorded live with our very own Julie. Enjoy. Enjoy.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Rubber Duck Dev Show. I'm Chris.
0: I'm Creston.
2: And I'm Julie. Yay!
1: We've got Code with Julie here. We're so excited. Um, this is going to be really fun because I'm I'm really passionate about um, bringing up newer developers and helping newer developers, and that's something that Julie has been uh, really participating in in the community with her um, the Code for All podcast and stuff like that. Hey, chat! Welcome. Um, hope you guys brought lots of questions for Julie. We're gonna keep her busy tonight, um, asking her all the all the new kids stuff. Um, we'll let you ask the new kids stuff because us old kids don't know the old the new kids stuff. So um, we're gonna have a lot of fun with that tonight. Before we get into that, though, Kristen, how was your week?
0: Well pretty productive work wise and then i had a personal (laughs) adventure (laughs) yesterday where i went on a zip lining tree climbing obstacle course excursion i was able to defeat the yellow course the green course the blue course the black diamond course wow and now my quadriceps muscles of my legs are screaming. (laughs) Oh, man. So apart from that personal thing in terms of work, um, doing a fair number of uh, DevOps-related work and also some database work, so not as much Rails this past week. Uh, But other than that, still still keeping at it, doing some things with regard to that. What about you?
1: Um, I just had... Well, my boss has approached me about moving up into being in charge of all the technical stuff for all of our enterprise clients instead of the one that I'm concentrating on right now because they seem to be more under control. Also, they're wanting me to spread out, which what that means, though, is I'm going to get far less time with hands on keyboard and be far more time with the project management goodies. Which I, I like, you know. I, I'm kind of an atypical programmer. I actually enjoy talking to the customers and and team members and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's it's good for me. Uh, but I am I am then going to be really itching to get my um, live coding show going <laughs> because I, that's the only time I'm really going to have to put hands on keyboards. So, uh, hopefully, I can get that going in the next week or so and start doing some live coding with you guys. That'll be lots of fun. Uh, So yeah, so Julie, how about you? How was your week?
2: Well, I, like this is a personal thing, but I started a October habit tracker. And one of those items is to exercise for 10 minutes. Nice. And so I started going to the gym again. And uh, (laughs) I went, Today and I went on Sunday, so that's twice so far this week and then the other times I'm doing like a, a walk with
0: the kids
1: awesome well that's a that's a fun thing to do with your
0: kids too yeah, yeah. I have to force my kids out of the house to take walks
1: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> our uh our incentive was let's go look at all the Halloween decorations that's out right now
1: there you go. So, we have, a,
0: we have, oh, a... we should also mention last week how <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> so far ago. We actually, so we're in Flor- Chris and I are in Florida. So the last episode was shut down due to <laughs> Ian. Thankfully, we were not on the coast that was majorly impacted. Yeah. Um, but we still had impact and had to cancel the show with regard to that. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. Like I was, I didn't have power for two and a half days. Starting on Wednesday night when the show was supposed to happen, which I knew was coming. Our our power goes out if somebody sneezes too hard, so it's... the I don't know why, but my neighborhood is just really bad with the power. Fortunately, it it doesn't go... Well, I shouldn't say that because then it'll go out right now in the middle of this show. But... um, But yeah, it was it was a little rough. I was disappointed because I was really excited to talk to Ernesto about um, the code quality stuff. Um, so I am talking to him about rescheduling that. We're going to get him back on to talk about that stuff because that's that's a conversation that I really really enjoyed the first part of that, and I want to talk to him about the second part. Um,
2: so yeah, I'm glad you both are safe.
1: Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't surprisingly, Ian wasn't nearly as destructive as it could have been because it was very slow moving and it was really big and it was a cat four when it hit. So, I mean, it was destructive, Hmm. but not as bad, not nearly as bad as it could have been. I'm really surprised that it wasn't worse. Yeah, I mean,
0: of course, I mean, it's basically where it hit is where all the destruction happened. Once it got over the land, it, you know, yeah, it was still problematic, but not as... As much of a catastrophe is down where it actually hit.
1: Yeah. So yeah, if you're praying, people keep praying for the folks on the Gulf Coast of Florida, because they got they got smacked around pretty good. Um anyway, let's get on to the fun stuff. Julie, tell us a little bit about your beginner's journey. What what did you so so you did a, a transition from another career, right?
2: I did. I am actually a pharmacist, and it wasn't a, I guess, for having family, it wasn't very flexible. I had to actually be at the store, and it was scheduled shifts. And so once I had children, I decided I I wanted to be spending more time with them. So I stepped down from my pharmacy career. And during the time that I was at home, I was like, well, what am I going to do? I wanted to add something to my skill set and one of my friends who's a software engineer said I love my job and I was like well what do you do (laughs) (laughs) and um, he was a software engineer and he mentioned like yeah I really like doing logic puzzles and solving problems and I was like I love doing all those things so I thought I'd give it a try but the first year that I was studying it was all solo. I didn't know anybody. And I just spent like a little bit like about an hour or so a day just to see if it's something that I would be interested in doing. Yeah. And so it wasn't after that first year, like into the second year, when I started finding communities to study with and really getting into like really solving things and building things, uh, where I said to myself, you know, this this could possibly be a career transition so
1: yeah and i think i think the community part of it is really really uh important ah drew says hi hey drew um hi drew so i'm wondering kind of what how did you how did you get involved with ruby what, what was it about ruby that got you into it
0: or did you actually start with ruby or another language yeah
2: Uh, it actually was Ruby was my first language. Um, is the person who said (laughs) he loved
0: his job doing Ruby?
2: No. And I did ask for a recommendation for what, what would be a good first language. I actually asked two people, what would be a first good language. One of them said Ruby or JavaScript and the other one said Ruby or Python. And no, I take that back. It was JavaScript or Python and Ruby or Python or Ruby, or, I don't remember. Anyway, one of them said Ruby and I was like, well, I don't know where to start. I need some sort of a curriculum because I can't just, I'm one of those people that need that structure. And at the time, there's a bootcamp called App Academy that had released their whole curriculum online. And because they used Ruby, that ended up being my first language. I didn't end up going through the whole course, but I got started with them. I got started with them, but I also got started with CodeCademy as well.
1: Okay. So you found a course work course load that you were interested in taking and then just decided, okay, that's the language, I'll go with that.
2: hmm Okay. Pretty much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hey, that works. So I, I know you've been with the Code for All um podcast that you're that you're co hosting uh with Andrew. One of the focuses is on like junior developers talking about things with junior developers and what they're going through and and what kind of things they need to um, deal with what What kind of got you into that doing that podcast and and why is that important?
2: I remember during my learning journey i Needed all sorts of different methods of learning things. So I enjoy watching videos. I also enjoy reading books, uh, learning, like pairing with people. And I listened to a lot of podcasts, but some of the like Ruby specific ones were kind of over my head. And I would still listen to them, but maybe get like, I don't know, 10% of what they were talking about. And I was thinking, you know, maybe like passive, it'll passively. I don't know. I'm mean, going to inherit passively the information. So then I guess at RailsConf, that was my first conference um, in the one in May this year. Uh, so Andrew and Jason and Chris had done a talk about starting a podcast without experience or something like that. And I was in that talk and I was thinking to myself, like, I, I really wish there was a more specific to juniors type of Ruby podcast. And, and so I pitched the idea to Jason and Andrew was right next to him. And Andrew was like, I'll be your co-host. And I was like, really? I was like, really? Okay, let's do it. And so it just kind of started. I I really wasn't expecting to be the one doing it. I just wanted something like this. <laughs> and since Andrew was kind of handholding me on the, um, the whole way, I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Um, another reason why I chose to kind of continue doing it is uh, for people who don't know me, I have social anxiety and it's really hard for me to talk in front of people and, speak what's like i have vision in my head but it's really hard for me to express what that is in words and so i thought having this podcast will kind of break down some of those barriers and i think it's working a little by little
1: well you're doing great so far here i mean you're talking just as well as i do and i've been doing this for a long time (laughs) so but i mean i i and i started with the same problem i have this very very bad problem with brain image to words type of thing Um, and which caused me social anxiety in the beginning because I couldn't I had a problem just you know getting it out of here to other ears Um, and and this did help doing stuff like this I did YouTube channels I did live game streaming I've done this stuff and and this does actually help so uh, good on you for following through on that I know that's a a big step to take um, to step into something like that because it's not a comfort zone.
2: And I don't know; it, it could be the ADHD too. But I often forget about things that I really wanted to say. And like one of the things I kept telling myself to say is like, "Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm honored to be here." And I already forgot to say that. So thank you for.
1: <laughs> well, we we thank you for. On the show
2: and it's an honor to be here. <laughs>
1: Well, thanks. And we thank you for taking time out of your day to, to, to come have on you here. As our guest? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for, for, well, since we first talked. I mean, I was really interested in what you were doing with the junior developer stuff because I'm kind of passionate about that. Probably because both of us have older teenagers who are starting to think about career paths and stuff. And, you and know,
0: my 18 year old. Is looking like he's on the path of software engineering. Now, the reason I say that is because he procrastinates with every piece of homework except the programming homework. So <laughs> oh. That's kind of an indication of maybe what he should be doing. So
2: that's a clear sign right there.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So, being, being much closer to the start of this journey than we both are, what would you tell somebody like that, a, a, somebody who's looking and thinking about? Maybe I wanna do programming for a living. Where do I start?
2: Oh boy, that's a (laughs) very good question. Uh, Well, I can talk about how I started. I Googled how to learn programming and one of the first links to pop up was Codecademy and they have a free tier. So I just made an account that day and just started playing around with that. I think it also kind of depends on the type of person like i need that structure so it was really helpful to have something like app academy's curriculum laid out for me mm-hmm. um, the way that they do their curriculum is they have exercises that you can go through videos that explain things and then also documents that they might link out to for you to read mm-hmm. um, so something like that or even just googling curriculum Uh, software engineering curriculum whatever they have out there Uh, what I tend to do a lot and I think this maybe extended my study time is I will I will look for just different ways what what, it's called um, tutorial hell oh yeah so I kind of did that thing where it's like I will look at I'll read books I will go through videos and I will do this and that, but I won't actually build something. Uh, so one of the things that I want to tell people is make sure you're building something. Cause I think that's where most of the learnings that you've learned, you can apply to and be able to learn better that way. And I think the two main projects that I did work on, I grew a lot doing them, but I have this problem with like not being able to think of an idea that I'm passionate about. Like it's hard for me to build something unless I really want to.
1: Right. Well, and I think that's a good point too, is if you're, if you're going to work on a funsies learning project, it should also be something that you want to do. Not just something that's going to be good for learning this particular thing. It's something I want to do. Then I'll learn what I need to, to do it. Right. Yeah. So, so in your learning process, um, and, and your your beginner's journey here, how important was it to kind of get hooked into these Ruby communities like Twitter and the, the Rails conf and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, in the very beginning, like my first year, I didn't know where to go. Honestly, I if you could imagine I live under a rock, I didn't I couldn't network. So a lot of it was just on my own and then maybe those two friends that I had mentioned in earlier um after that first year the reason why like the reason why i know about learning in communities is stanford had a program called code in place yeah i think that's what it's called and what it was is they took their intro to computer science class and posted like or i guess released the first five weeks of it so half of the actual course and it was this i would say a big effort because they also had these section leaders it was real leaders that they interviewed uh to become kind of like a mentor for you and then every week about 10 of the students would meet with one section leader and i always forget the number but it's a pretty high number i want to say there were like 10,000 or so students which meant there was like 900 or some something section leaders wow and yeah you we would meet every week there would be a problem for you to solve and the section leader helps you like, kind of guide you to solving the problem and yeah, the, it, it was a great first five weeks, and at the end of those five weeks, I really got into building a game for my kids to play. So oh, I fun. built Tetris, and the the reason why I even thought of it was because there was a lecture where there was like a square moving across a screen, and... I was like, oh, that kind of, like, if I rotate it, it looks like touch, like a, a square falling down. And yeah. I wanted to build Tetris for my kids because I thought if I programmed it, I could only bring down, like, the L and the O blocks so that it's easier for them to yeah.
1: start how to play it. That's smart.
2: And, yeah, I think that was why I was so passionate about that game is because it was something for my kids. And I... Forget what the original question was, but (laughs)
1: looking into the communities. (laughs) How
0: important was that? Oh, yeah, the communities.
2: Okay. (laughs) Sorry about that. That's all right.
0: (laughs) Well, out of curiosity, was it that you were interested in finding these communities, but you didn't know where to go? Or you just were you not even thinking about looking for communities at that point when you were first started? I
2: I actually think I tried. I started looking at meetup and there wasn't really much action going on maybe where i was or i'm not sure well i mean also at the same time covid was a oh, thing
1: yeah. uh, <laughs> that stuff, lot mean, of stuff
0: of that old chestnut <laughs> <It's> still...
2: <laughs> uh so that's why it was called code in place because everybody was sheltered and anyway um just to, just to finish that thing after the course was over a lot of the students were like but we really want to see the rest of the lectures uh they stanford did post the rest of the lectures online but there wasn't any more videos that we can look at or section leaders and so me and a few other people created this community Uh, it was just a discord server and we basically said like we're gonna host study sessions every week and we're gonna try to finish the course and we ended up finishing the course. Um, So that's when I developed this love for kind of this, the, the community. Cool. Um, As far as like the Ruby community, I did not discover it until after I finished my last bootcamp. It was a one month bootcamp led by John Crepezi. It is called all aboard bootcamp. And Ever, I guess ever since then, oh yeah, it's because John was on Twitter. And so that's when I started looking at Twitter more. I didn't, I had an account, but I didn't, I never looked at it. And so that was when I sort of started discovering the the Ruby community. Cool. Which by the way, is very, very important to me. And the reason why I will continue to be in the Ruby community.
1: Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I I've, I've had very, very good experiences in the community um every person i've met there has been friendly and helpful and down to earth and chill and fun to be around you know it's just every person i meet is somebody i want to be around you know and it's it's just really nice to have that that kind of tribalism i guess a huge tribe but still um you know that kind of speak their own language and just fun to be a part of that and I um, so ha, another thing that I'm often interested in for newer programmers is what is what are your thoughts about pair programming?
2: yeah, if you if you don't know me, I love pair programming, and I talk about this with Andrew. I don't know if it's because I have ADHD. Uh, that I like pair programming because I feel like they kind of help keep me on my toes or it's just a lot easier to pair with somebody and ask them a couple of quick questions than to go find it in the docs, which can take me forever if I don't know where it is. Um, I also think that it's really important because I feel like programming is not really a solo thing. I think it's very collaborative and being able to work with another person is really important. So yeah, I do a lot of pair programming in my job. And also I picked up a few people on Twitter that will just randomly offer to pair with me. And I was like, yes, of course, definitely. Uh, I try to pay it forward as well and try to pair with, other people if they want to.
1: (laughs) So would you say that pair programming is like an important part of junior developer learning process?
2: Yeah. and, And this is kind of part of the reason why Ruby for all was created because I feel like there's this gap between once you're done. I mean, I don't know if you're ever really done or ready for your first role, but once you're kind of there's this in between right like once you finish your boot camp for example and then getting your first job there's this gap of something is missing Uh, I don't know what needs to go there but there definitely is something missing I felt like I needed more mentorship before I can get on get get to my first job and so I think pair programming helps kind of build those skills that will be helpful for even interviewing or
0: so, trying to do your job. So that's interesting. What did you feel was, do you have a sense of what was missing between bootcamp and where you would feel comfortable going into a job?
2: I think it was, I think it was working in a team, perhaps. Uh, I also felt like I needed a better grasp of Git and GitHub. Uh, all of the things that I worked on was just solo and only I was pushing up code. And so one of the other things that I usually recommend to people is contribute to open source, like while you're waiting or while you're interviewing, try to do all these things that will kind of make you stand out. Yeah. And so I think. Had I contributed to open source before my first job, I would have had a better understanding of like the moving parts of how a team might work and how, how it works to push code into a, a, a repo that other people are also pushing into.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, Andrew Atkinson's on here says, hi. Hey, Andrew, hi, how you doing? Um. So... Uh, what other things do you think that we haven't talked about yet do you think are really important for junior developers in their development of their developing development?
0: <laughs> <laughs> in their Wait, growth.
1: <laughs> yeah, that.
2: Can you, can you repeat the question?
1: <laughs> what, what else is important for junior developers as they're
0: growing? <sighs> Oh, one thing
2: that I think is really important is don't be afraid to fail. That's not really like a thing that we talk about, but I didn't realize that I had this fear of failure. And so possibly I'm not working on building projects because I think I'm not going to be able to make it work maybe that's why I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm finding that I might not tackle on certain things because I, I'm, it's inhibiting me from, I guess my brain is inhibiting me from thinking that I could be successful at something. And I think it's holding me back from excelling as much as I possibly can. And also, uh, this kind of ties back into pair programming, but I've, Develop this mindset of like, I'm not going to be scared to drive. Like, I might be pairing with someone much more experienced than me. And so they could probably do the thing that we're pairing on together in like two minutes. And it'll take us an hour if I start typing. But you really develop so many, so many. Here's that vision to words <laughs> thing that. <laughs>
1: I feel you. (laughs) I've been there.
2: Uh, It's like developing different types of muscles, I guess. Like you're being able to speak to what you're doing. I find that I'm not able to do that. And I think flashcards potentially can help with that. Like if I were, there's this this, uh, talk at RailsConf, it was the game show. And it was like, there would be a word that, you have to guess what the word is. And then there's these words that you can't say to Mm. describe, to define this word that this other person is supposed to guess. I don't, I don't know if it's like categories or taboo or something like that. Taboo. And I feel like what I should do is replay that game show and try to explain it because I might understand it conceptually, but if I really want to be a mentor to somebody and try to explain these things. If I can't explain it myself, then that means I don't really understand it.
1: That's true. I've found that, you know, trying to explain things to people or, or asking my questions out loud. If I'm, you know, beating my head against the wall on a problem and I go and try to explain the problem to somebody, a lot of times what will happen is halfway through my explanation. I go, Oh, now I understand. You just had to just had to say it out loud. Right. Right. Um, and the other person is like, oh, okay, glad I could help,
0: <laughs> whatever. Um, 99% of my support problems in previous jobs was asking questions. Yep. And they would actually figure out what they did wrong. I'm just you know, holding like, the phone. Okay, glad I could help.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, you kind of felt like uh, it wasn't that you didn't think that you could accomplish things and you were scared to of making mistakes or, or messing it up. Um, I just want to assure all the junior programmers, because I know most junior programmers think that way, um, that I've been doing this for 25 years. And this week, I dorked something up in a production environment and had to scramble to put it back. So I don't care how long you've been doing it you're going to mess up. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it just happens. Don't be scared of it. It's not likely that's somebody's going to die because you make a programming mistake.
2: That's a okay, two two things came up for me there. One one of the things that I really appreciate is when experienced people talk about their failures so that it helps me make those failures uh, the thing that I just remembered is like in my previous job, if I made a mistake, that could be pretty bad yes, <laughs> as a yes. pharmacist. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> it, it is, it's been kind of a mind shift here and, and being able to make those mistakes. I kind of also was raised in a way where maybe I making mistakes is like, you're not good enough. Um, not, not to say like my parents didn't like have I don't know what you call it. I, the, the picture to words thing is
0: yeah. happening right now.
2: But um, yeah, I, I just kind of grew up thinking like, okay, I can never make mistakes. But I'm really glad that like right now I'm understanding like I should make mistakes. And that is how I'm going to learn. Uh, I'll learn better and faster. And I try to instill in my children who are, I can see that they're afraid of making mistakes. That I'm like, yeah. I make mistakes so you can make mistakes and, yeah. you know, like grownups to make mistakes too.
1: Go fall off your bike. You'll learn how to ride a bike.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, mm-hmm. I just like have fallen s- off. I also like to put some say. kind of guardrails on so that basically, all right, I will let you fall from two feet. But if you try to go up 15 feet, I don't want you to fall or hurt something. See, you know. Right.
1: As long as nothing There's blows a way up or you can breaks,
0: sandbox some of, some of those issues.
1: Yeah. yeah, but that's you know that's one of the beautiful things about programming is that it's so easy to just put it in a contained environment, so that you can yeah. play around with it. And if you if you completely explode something, it doesn't matter. You just you pull it from Git and start again. You know, no nobody's business is going to go under and nobody's going to die. in fact if you do it in a virtual machine you you just reload the virtual machine you could screw it up all day and it won't matter um that's what i do actually
2: now um i'm remembering that something i like doing a lot is just playing around with it so like juniors might question what happens if we do xyz and then well, why don't you try it? Like, just break the thing that you're you're doing. Like, get them into the habit of just whatever you're interested in knowing. Do it. If it breaks, that's okay. But uh, so yeah, yeah, I try to just play around with the terminal or whatever it is and break it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was on a, actually a consulting call today where it was a developer, a senior developer, but they were doing database related things, so it wasn't their 100% skill set or whatever. And they're like, well, am I going to do something if I do the, no, no, you can't hurt it. You can, you're on a replica now where you're messing with things. It's not going to touch the data that's on the primary database. So you can feel free to do whatever you, and then just knowing that they're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to try to do that, you know,
1: see what works. Experimentation is one yeah. of the best learning just methods. Just figure
0: out the best way to do it. Yeah.
1: And knowing that, hey, I've if I screw it that... all up.
0: I'm sorry, Julie, what were you going to say?
2: Oh, I I was just going to say that if you, I don't know, I guess if a junior at work happened to break something that was kind of bad, then I would like to think that maybe that just is a learning experience to for the company to like put barriers up in place that could prevent that from happening in the future.
0: Yeah, like those guardrails. So have yeah. guardrails yeah. in place such such that any particular error error is not going to get, you know, too much out of control. So have processes in place so that I don't know, call them micro failures or whatever is not going to, you know, bring down production or something. Right. And
1: if you're a company and you don't have those things in place. And then you hire a junior dev and put them in that place. Don't get all upset. If something goes bad, that's your fault. (laughs) You know, that's, I mean, what were you thinking? Come on. (laughs) Um,
2: Do you remember there was a, there was a possibly a junior developer that sent out some email. And I want to say it was, was it HBO? It was like a, they sent out a, a email that was like a test email and people weren't supposed to get that email, but it it wasn't like, it oh. wasn't like a big deal. But uh, in the tech Twitter, I was noticing a lot of people being very supportive of this like scenario. And I was just like, wow, that's, this is so amazing. Like people are basically there's, they're saying like, yeah, it's, it's totally fine that we're making mistakes and we should, we shouldn't. What is it called? Reprimand or blame yeah. or, or anything like that. It, it is more like a, a learning experience. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't remember the company.
1: Uh, chat confirmed it's HBO and okay. Andrew says plus one to blame systems, not individuals. And that's true. And I think what you'll find is if you've got, if you've got good senior developers around you, they won't, they'll start looking at ways to fix the system. If, if you do something that breaks something, because like I just said, I still break stuff. So we've all been there, you know, doing this for 25 years. I can't say I haven't broken my share of stuff. I've broken my share of really important stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's, if you've got good developing developers with you, good senior developers will start, trying to figure out how to fix the system. And if they're really, really good, they'll get the juniors to help them figure out how to fix the system because the juniors will ask a lot of questions that the seniors won't think to ask. And that's contrary to what a lot of juniors think when I talk to them. Most seniors want you to ask questions. Because we get jaded and don't think to ask these things. You know, I know how to do that. I don't know these... Then when we have to start explaining, answering questions that juniors are asking because they just don't know, then we have to look a little harder and pay attention to what we're doing. So it's actually a really good kind of push-pull there for the learning. It goes both ways. Um,
2: I really appreciate you saying that because as someone who likes to ask a lot of questions is also scared to because I don't want maybe the seniors to feel like I don't know anything, but it, I really, I guess that's another thing that we should say loudly uh, ask questions and there are no silly questions. And I I think it's a win-win just as you were mentioning that sometimes you are further away from it and it kind of brings you back into it.
1: Whatever right. it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very helpful. I mean, I still get a lot of stuff cause I, I regularly get on, on, um, like we use Slack at work and I'll regularly get on Slack huddles with people, um, especially junior devs and talk out a problem or, or pair program and stuff. And I learn a tremendous amount of, of technical information by them asking questions. Because even after doing this for twenty five years, there is just no possible way for me to keep up with everything that's going on in all the facets of web development, right? I mean, it's just it's just not possible. There's too much. So having having other perspectives there, especially younger perspectives, whose whose their primary thing is to ask questions and learn things. It helps to get the seniors back into, okay, I need to learn some stuff too. They've asked me questions. I don't know. I'll go figure it out so I can answer, right? Because we don't want to look stupid either. We're supposed to know everything. don't. Um, I promise. Um, Which is, you know, I, I keep saying junior programmers and senior programmers. I actually don't like that terminology, though I don't know of a better terminology to get the point across. But it... It kind of sounds like senior programmers are all. Oh, 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 I'm senior,
0: <laughs> and, and it shouldn't be well, like some that. Some are, but probably some not are the majority. <laughs> yeah,
1: I've never met any Ruby programmers like that. Thank goodness. Um, but it, it's. I I'd, I'd rather have it as um, more experienced programmers and newer programmers. I don't know. I just that junior senior terminology just. I don't know, rubs me the wrong way. Maybe that's just me. Hey, Edwin, welcome to the show. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really important, and most senior programmers will appreciate when juniors get with them, take the time to ask questions, and and we we want you to learn this stuff, right? Because then we don't have to do all the stuff. You can do some of the stuff, right? So it benefits us to... To have other people coming up and learning things
2: can i can i ask you both a question yeah Uh, i'm curious to hear like some of your notable failures that you might want (laughs) to (laughs) share
1: okay (laughs) you go Kristen, because i got to think about what i can
0: share (laughs) i I hate to say it i'm drawing a blank i'm trying to I mean it's not like oh, we want to well, keep those things in our memories. Well, this is not a programming one. This is not a programming one, but this is just oversight, me being human. I was so this was for a previous app I had and I was in the AWS console and they had this little click interface and it's very easy to select more than one instance. And I was thinking, okay, I want to delete it. And this happened three years ago, so maybe they changed the interface and it's less probable that this happens. I said, all right, I want to delete this instance. And yes, it says confirm or whatever. But I had actually had two instances selected. One of those instances was the um, database I didn't want to delete. (laughs) So it actually, poof, the database. So thankfully, and this wasn't a client. This was actually me. So <laughs> this was my app. So and then I'm like, oh boy. So thankfully I do do Postgres consulting. So I was able to spin it up and get it back up pretty quickly. But that was, I'm much more careful of my clicks in AWS. This is interface now. I'll just say it that way. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I had, I had a pretty bad one early on in my, well, early on in my Ruby career. So this was 2009-ish when I just, um, <laughs> <laughs> Crescent testing, disaster recovery, doing it live. Funny, Andrew. Um, but I, 2009-ish, so I just started in Ruby, right? But I wasn't a junior programmer. This was, I started programming in 97, so... I'm, I'm mid-level programming. Um, I should have known better. But one of the reasons this happened is that there weren't enough guardrails in place. So not my fault, right? No, it's my fault. I should have known better. But um, I actually ended up disconnecting um, or deleting some of the database callbacks in a code set because I thought, these don't look important. Delete. <laughs> Send it to production. And then, because there weren't proper, uh, the the database wasn't set up properly, and it didn't have protections on it. I ended up with a shotgun blast of gross data that I then had to uh, go back and write a bunch of SQL queries to fix because there were missing fields and all kinds of stuff like UUIDs that didn't get set, and it was oh, it was a mess, and it took me weeks to to unscrew it and. It, w- it was not a pleasant <laughs> environment for a couple of weeks, but you know, it's, it's, uh, oh, and then Colin, uh, suspended the production database temporarily at your first job. That's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. When the database gets connected and all your clients go, uh, oh, why am I getting a bunch of 500 errors here? That's, that's not cool. <laughs> But yeah,
2: thank you so much for sharing. I don't have any stories like that yet, but I feel like <laughs> you will. <laughs> yet, yeah, I feel like it's the uh, more experience- I haven't reached
0: your level of failure yet. but <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I also say that uh, the more you fail, the smarter you are. So there's that,
1: too. Oh, yes. You can believe I will never blindly delete database callbacks anymore. That's. <laughs> Also, that's that's about the point when I really got into testing being important, because if I'd had good tests there, and I deleted those database callbacks, all my tests would have said, are you stupid? Before I went to production. So, yeah.
0: Um, so, so out of curiosity, in terms of, could you go through or kind of explain how you got your first position? So you've been learning this stuff and how did you eventually uh, get that position?
2: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. After that boot camp that I mentioned all aboard bootcamp, that's when I did like a full stack project for my final project. And when I felt like I was ready to take on maybe an internship. And I remember Codecademy was one of the places that, I would periodically go back and check like, oh, you know, what are they hiring for at this point in time? And I think it was like a year before that, where I was looking. And then after I finished the bootcamp, I looked on their site again and it showed that they were hiring for apprentices. And I was like, yeah, this would be a great opportunity. And I'm also very passionate about education And this is probably why I care so much about trying to help junior developers because I am very passionate about, I don't know, whatever that is, helping people (laughs) learn. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And so the Cook Academy's mission and values resonated with me. And I was like, I I definitely want to apply. And I thought it was a sign because I just finished this bootcamp. They're hiring, let's go ahead and apply. I put all my eggs in one basket and focused all my time on writing this cover letter and uh, (laughs) application and ended up getting selected to do a take home, which, by the way, speaking about testing, that was the first time I probably had to look up testing. So I didn't really learn testing throughout the two years or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, of me learning programming and for the take-home I had to write two unit tests and I was like I don't know how to do this so I I looked up how to do that and and then uh, and then did it and and then I guess after that I got an interview and by the way the the whole process with CodeCami was just really really great they were very transparent they were very accommodating I didn't know that I could get accommodations in place At that time, I didn't know I would need accommodations, but I like knowing now what accommodations would have been helpful for me, I probably would have asked for some. Uh, but for the most part, like they were very transparent and it was very smooth process. The interview was very straightforward and it wasn't a whiteboarding those shenanigan type interviews that you hear about yeah, I hate those. Uh, it was a pair programming <laughs> it was a pair programming interview and I there were things that I didn't know how to do during the during the interview and they said you can look it up and it was more like just a co-working session I guess and I really thought I bombed it and I think this is really important to say also uh, this was mentioned in the Ruby for All episode when Brendan Weaver was talking about, like, you don't have to finish all of the things that all the prompts that they bring up. It's more about the quality of the conversations and whatever it is that is being discussed. And so I think possibly that helped, but yeah, I did not finish. And I remember being so bummed that I went and spent time to finish it on my own and sent it over, not knowing what how they would take that. <laughs> but that's actually up... very
0: that's a very good thing to do in my opinion for someone who's Oh really. Yeah. I mean I never got a job so fast that I went on the interview and they ask all these questions and I went back home and I just percolated and then I sent them a four page report kind of like as if I was a consultant, but I didn't even know what that was when I did it. And they wanted to hire me so bad, it was crazy. So I think oh, wow. showing that extra work and saying, this person will not be defeated. <laughs> they're going to figure it out on their own and send in, you know, I think that's huge.
1: Well, and I can tell you too, having, having been, spent a good bit of time doing hiring and interviews myself um, to, to hire junior developers and stuff, what they're really looking for is not, that you solve this particular problem. It's how you go about trying to figure out how to solve it. How, how are your problem solving skills? Not are you getting the answer to this particular problem? So we're more interested in how you relate, how, how will you work on a team? Um, how will you approach problems? How will you get set up? What questions will you ask? Um, how determined are you to solve this thing? Are you going to quit easily or are you going to bulldog it and get it done? That's that's the kind of stuff that when you're going for a job in the in the tech sector, that's what they want to know. Not that you know all these things off the top of your head and you've memorized all the formulas. I mean, I haven't. I'm just really good at Google. And that's, you know, you don't have to know all the formulas. You just know, have to know Google. So, doesn't matter if you don't know all the stuff we just want to know that you will go after the stuff and try to figure it out so i think that's important too it's it's not not to be intimidated at, at your first interviews for tech stuff because it, it's important to know that what what they're looking for is your tenacity and um
0: yeah, that's a good word. I was just thinking that tenacity.
1: Yeah, well, and, and Andrew says grit, self starter, passion is important. Yeah, and that's more important than knowing the right answer right off.
0: So, so when you said this was, you said it was an apprentice position. Was was that considered a um, what do you call it? Um, internship? I mean, was it a full time apprenticeship? Or I'm sorry, was it a internship or was it a full time position or part time position?
2: Yeah, it actually was full-time and okay. it was paid, which I remember my right. boot camp instructors said, don't, don't take positions that aren't paid. Uh, I don't know. I feel like also at the time it's, it's really hard to find jobs. So people might want to pick up unpaid positions anyways, to get some experience under the belt and get that on their resume. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was full-time and it was for 12 weeks. I want to say and it was a pretty good program where they set you up with a mentor and I think my mentor was integral for i guess my success there because she helped pick out like in the very beginning I came in as a back end engineer but there's you know a lot of lots of the, like across the stack things that you can do and so she would hand pick in the beginning she would handpick the tickets that would be appropriate for me and I think those baby steps led to the training wheels coming off and then me being able to just pick, pick my own tickets or be assigned tickets from the PM and kind of roll with it. Um, So I, I I think it was a great program. Um, at, At the time there was six of us, which was also great because then I had buddies to talk to.
0: Now, so this was a, a term apprenticeship. And did that evolve into something else or, or or is that is pretty much just for that term?
2: Yeah, you either get selected to work with them after or you don't. And just so happens that all six of us got converted to okay. full-time employees.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, Andrew um, asking, did you mention your code in place experience? Yes, she did. Talked about code in place. Yes.
2: Andrew, you should share why you know about that.
1: <laughs> yes, Andrew. Why do you know about that? <laughs> uh. So it's
2: funny because I, so code in place 2020 was when I was a student and they happened to do another one in 2021 and I tried to apply as the mentor. I'm pretty sure there was a hiccup because I changed my email address at the time and so they didn't select me cause maybe they flagged my account as like, no, this is not who you say you are. Um, (laughs) so I, I didn't get selected, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) You are not who you think you. are. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, if you
1: had, let's, we'll kind of flip the script here and let you from a junior programmer perspective, do some interviewing of senior programmers, what would you want to ask senior programmers? What kind of things do you want to know as a junior programmer i'm not not trying to put you on the spot but it's well yeah i am um but (laughs) what but what what kind of things you know in your job and as you're going through the learning process what kind of things are you sitting around going gosh i wish i could talk to a senior programmer and find out about these kind of things Does that stuff come up or is it just kind of you're drinking from the fire hose, so you're just kind of nose down and let me figure this out. Here's a problem. Here's a problem. Here's a problem.
2: I think a lot of for me personally was trying to figure out what's best practices. Like, I feel like there could be a lot of things or a lot of ways to solve a problem. And. I don't know what all those ways are, and so I like to find out the why for example, if I'm going to review a senior's code, I might ask them like, why did, why did we pick this way to solve it? Or why did you choose that method? Or I I don't know, uh, things along the lines of like the, why do we do this? And then I've been kind of getting also more into trying to understand how pieces fit together. Like we, for example, we have microservices and I want to branch off and learn about those services. And so I try to understand like, okay, why was this service spun up in a certain language, like if it wasn't Ruby? And how do they communicate? Um, We might use like a wrapper, uh, like a, I don't know what you call it, a wrapper to like if the service was written in Go, for example, and we created a wrapper so that we could speak to it better. Um, Yeah, I guess things like that. I don't know. Um, I did, I, very earlier on in my career, I did a short talk for WNB.RB and it was how to like be successful in your first role. And so I did interview a lot of the seniors and asked them things like, what would you tell yourself, like, what would you tell yourself if you were a junior? Um, like if you were to start over and uh, how could someone like me level up to be a senior? And yeah, I got a lot of good information on that. I feel like I'm just rambling.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> That's, we're here to talk. So talking is good. Um, so, yeah, you said something there at the beginning of that answer, which I think is extraordinarily wise. And I want to I point it out because I think it's very important for juniors to kind of keep in mind, as well as seniors. Now, a lot of seniors don't think about this either. But the most important question you ever ask is why? Why are you doing it this way? Why do you? Why did you pick this? Why are we? Why is this PR even exist? What are you trying to solve? Why? Why did you do this? Um, so I think that's that's. I, I like to see that level of wisdom in junior programmers because that's an extraordinarily important question, and it often gets overlooked because developers get into how. They don't often think about why, but that's the most important thing. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um so um here it is nine o'clock again. Once again we're out of time and I I don't want to stop talking to you. Darn it. Uh <laughs> it it's been a real joy having you on here, Julie. I'm I'm very thankful that you that you joined us tonight and took time out of your schedule uh and time away from your kids to to come hang out with us. It was it was very much a pleasure to meet you. Um, and I thank you for stepping up into a leadership role in the Ruby community and doing that podcast and, and stepping outside your comfort zone and being an example for people, for juniors to to get more involved and do things like that and step out and take those risks. Uh, I think that's, that's very awesome of you, and I thank you for that. Um, so um, I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Um, I think that it was a fantastic night. Thank you, chat, for being so interactive uh, and and talking to us during that. That always makes us feel good. Um, If you did enjoy that and you you are seeing this either on YouTube or Twitch, uh, because we go both places, uh, mash all the buttons and ding all the bells. It's free stuff, and it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy and makes me want to come back next week. No, actually talking to the people makes me want to come back next week because um, they're all lovely people. Uh, if you really want to help the show, the best thing you can do is tell all your friends to be here on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're here every week unless there's a hurricane. Uh, but uh, anyway, just tell your friends. We know you have lots of them because you're all cool people. Um, We will be back next week with, oh, who we got? Man, it's been such nutty weeks. Who have we got next week? We have got Aaron Francis is coming back to talk about the hardware of live streaming. That should be a fun conversation. That's something I'm really interested in. So I've got all kinds of little doodads to talk about around here uh, doing this stuff. So that'll be lots of fun. Uh, We will be rescheduling Ernesto uh, to come talk. Uh, On the 19th, we've got Joel Drapper. I think that's how I'll pronounce his name. Um, He'll be on. And I'm still trying to recruit people for October 26th to do the Halloween Horror Stories party. What I'd like to do is have a panel of like four or five people on here in costume, having a fun Halloween party, sharing our programming horror stories. So if anybody wants to volunteer to come on to that, please hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to get that booked up um, because if I don't get it booked up soon, I'm, I'm going to just have to ask somebody to uh, come on, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but man, I was really jazzed about that because um, the, the Ruby on Rails podcast brought up that idea and I, I really loved it and I want to do it. So um, somebody stand up On Twitter with me and say yes, we'll do that Uh, October 26th. Um, It'll be fun, I promise. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We will see you next week. And until then, happy programming.
0: Happy programming.
2: Happy programming. Bye.